1977, Colleen Stan was kidnapped by Cameron and Janice Hooker and taken to their Red Bluff, California home, where she was held for over seven years, serving as their sex slave, and for many years living in a coffin-sized box that she was occasionally allowed out of. Eventually, she escaped. Cameron Hooker was sentenced to over a 100 years in prison, and Janice Hooker was given immunity. Colleen Stan has gone on to put together a good life for herself, becoming a mother and a grandmother, and continuing to help other victims. everybody and welcome to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters this is katie weaver and i'm here with my sister co-host and partner in crime christy brower hello hello how's it going oh it's going we haven't seen the sun in too many days i am just Mm, wiped out yeah lots of gray weather it is Mm. true but it's january so that's what we get it is. This is the doldrums of January for sure. I mean, in general, I'm actually completely fine. But <laughs> Well, glad to hear that. But when it's just heavy and gray and dark like this outside all day, every day for, you know, many days at a time. Oof. Yeah. I hear it's you. A, just gets you down, you know? I totally hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So the sun is supposed to shine tomorrow. So by God, it better. Hey, that sounds awesome. I'm ready for that. I know. Me too. I'm hoping. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing really well. Just, you know, living life. <laughs> <laughs> Live no, I'm really loving. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, please. Yikes. Uh, no, I'm great. I'm just, you know, we were gone all weekend. And so we're just catching up. Like we just got home from the grocery store and like all the mm-hmm. stuff you usually do on the weekend when you're home. Trying yeah. to get done since we got home so yeah other than that i'm really good sometimes you almost need a vacation from your vacation Mm, truth yeah yeah okay well uh tonight we have three segments we have mmiw we have our main event we're talking about colleen stan the girl in the box this evening or today whenever you're listening and then, Christy, you're going to uh, come back to us with some creepy crime. So, yes, I am. I'm going to pass the mic over to you right now for an MMIW case. You bet. So, our MMIW case today is the disappearance of Jamie Yazzie. Mm. So, Jamie Yazzie is from the Navajo Nation in Arizona. And she went missing um, around the um, 30th of June. And there's so little known about it that it's just awful. So Jamie worked as a nursing assistant in Pinon, Arizona, and that is um, on the Navajo Reservation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was just, she was a mother of three known as a really hard worker. 
she'd had a boyfriend that she'd had some um, challenges with, you know, there seemed Mm -hmm. to be a little bit of a tumultuous relationship there. And she had the day that she went missing her, she had talked to a family member and to a coworker at work about the situation with the boyfriend. And then the next day she just didn't show up for work. Oh no. And has never been seen again. She uh, is, her case is being handled by the FBI because her, she did go missing on a, um, on a reservation. Yeah. But there's a $5,000 reward for information about her case or, you know, finding her or finding her body. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, because poor kids, my God. Yeah, her kids, and then she's got a mom and a sister. Yeah, um, that you know are also yeah really concerned. Her car was found on July fifth, and it had been abandoned. It was a silver Pontiac G six, um, and it was abandoned less than a mile from the health clinic where she works. Okay, but they're not exactly sure how long it was there. She went missing on June thirtieth. Mm-hmm. So it was there a few days, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, law enforcement was called. They did go search the car, look around the car. There just was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the They believe that the last person she was seen with was her boyfriend, but um, they're not totally uh, sure about that either. But it's just... Uh, the boyfriend has never been labeled a suspect, so his, his name is not out there. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's a mother with three kids, you know? She doesn't just wander away. No. Yeah. No, she didn't leave. She was taken. Right. right. And there's really not anything else known, you know? No. I mean, she just disappeared. And there's been nothing for all this time so i thought i would do this as a short segment because that's all we know yeah but we want to keep an eye out for jamie yazzie and if you live in the pinon area in arizona you might want to check out her case along with many others mm-hmm. in that community there's a bunch of indigenous in that area. women who are missing mm-hmm. so we will add her to our list and of course keep an eye on if there are any updates We'll put her missing flyer as well on our Facebook page so that you guys can see it there and share it as well. Definitely. All right. Well, dang it. I hate to hear that. I know. Me too. Well, let's let's move on to our main case tonight. Have you ever heard of the girl in the box? I have, yes. There have been quite a few uh, movies, documentaries, and several... Shows like CSI and NCIS that have done episodes that were uh, based on Colleen's story. Mm-hmm. So, Colleen was born in 1956. In 1977, she was hitchhiking from Oregon to California to a birthday party. And she had hitchhiked before. She didn't uh, feel like uh, it was a problem. Uh, you know, she, and in the 70s, there was a lot of hitchhiking. Yeah, um, that used to be a much bigger thing than it is now. It did. Then uh, people like, you know, 
stuff like this happened and you know we don't do that anymore but mm-hmm. uh, you know time it was something that it did happen but this young couple stopped uh Janice was 19 and her husband Cameron was 23 so they seemed like peers you know and seemed sure. safe so they gave her a ride and they rode for about 30 minutes with no issue and then out of the blue, Cameron pulls onto a dirt road and puts a knife to Colleen's throat. Oh, wow. And then he gags her, ties her up, and stuffs her into a box that was hidden in the trunk of their car. It was this head box thing. And she was forced to wear that. It was 20 pounds around her head. And oh, it was soundproof to keep her from uh, hearing her surroundings or from her surroundings hearing her. Right. So she couldn't scream. Mm -hmm. So they drove to California and they stripped her naked and dragged her to the basement and immediately began uh, torturing her. They actually chained her to the ceiling and had sex underneath her. And then they stuffed her in this wooden box that kind of looked like a crate. I would say looks like a coffin. Mm-hmm. She thought she was terrified. Of course, she thought they were going to kill her, you know. Right. Why would you think anything else, honestly? Uh, but they kept her in that box for most of the time. She was in that box, just laying on her back, forced to just lie in there. And it wasn't very long, and they moved into a trailer house that didn't have a basement. So then they put the box under their bed. My God. And she was forced to lie in the coffin. I'm going to call it a coffin because I think that's really what it was. Uh, they She had to lay in that most of the time under their bed in this trailer in California where it was 100 degrees or more. Wow. And she developed a lot of back and shoulder problems from all of the laying flat like that and was in an enormous amount of pain. Gosh, I would think like even pressure sores. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually these fools had children and they would allow her out of the box for a few hours a day to cook and clean and take care of their kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. The the kids had no idea that she was a captive there. They just thought she was the babysitter, Mm -hmm. the house cleaner and things. Uh. Besides being sexually assaulted more times than anyone could ever count, she was also tortured in ways like electrocution, food deprivation, and, of course, sensory deprivation in her box. Sure. A few months into captivity, Cameron produces this contract, a slave contract, and he forces her to sign it and convinces her that she's now legally his what? Well, you have to understand that he, this guy is a master manipulator. In fact, when he was tried, the uh, the sheriff of their county said that this was the scariest uh, sociopath he had ever come across in all of his career. Wow. Uh, but he had her convinced that he worked uh, for the mafia, was involved in a, gang, a mafia organization called The Company, I believe. And that the company knew all about her and they knew where her family lived and she would 
sign this contract and she would be their slave and shut the hell up or they just go wipe her family out because that's what the company does. Oh, my God. And after being crammed in the box all of this time, like she wasn't, you know, she wasn't right. Yeah. No, psychologically, I mean, I cannot imagine. Yeah. Yeah. They renamed her Kay and she was uh, commanded to call him master and his wife, ma'am. Yeah. After she signed the contract, they actually allowed her out of the box a little bit more. But, uh, you know, always under the threat of what the company's going to do if you don't do the things you're supposed to do. Wow. So, and he told her all kinds of tales about the company and all of the terrifying things that they did. And if she escaped, then the company would come for her and murder her and everyone she loved. Wow. But he wasn't the only SOB. Janice was too. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Janice uh, helped to torture her quite a bit. She was ruthless with her. She was very mean with her. Uh, and obviously was also her co-abductor, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she of course, told her that, uh, you know, if she stepped out of the house, it would just be a death sentence, you know, keeping the same ruse going with her. So she lived with them for seven years. Oh, my God. Um, She would receive either a sandwich or a potato every day. A potato? Mm -hmm. Like raw? I don't know, but... You know, they they fed her very, very little. Yeah. Wow. Yep. In 1981, Cameron took Colleen to visit her parents. What? Her parents who hadn't seen her in three years, four years. And just let her know he was going to let her see her parents. But just so you know. You better not tell them anything about what's going on here. You just need to act like we're just a happy couple. Because if not, the company's coming. Oh, man. Just this was actually just a manipulation to terrorize her. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was just kept on the good girl routine at her parents' house and allowed them to think that everything was okay. Now, I can't imagine she's been gone for four years. But yeah, I can't they, imagine they would really believe that everything was okay. I'm sure they thought things were weird, but uh, they didn't know. They thought she joined a cult. For I'm not sure why, but they thought she had joined a cult. They didn't have any idea that she was in actual danger. Oh, my God. Yeah. So by 1980, she was transferred out of the coffin and into the back bathroom of the house to live in. That was her bedroom for a few years about three years later they let her get a job so she actually was working at a local motel as a maid and bringing her paycheck back to them oh wow and again it's just at this point she is so screwed up and so brainwashed so broken psychologically i mean yeah stockholm syndrome is in full swing you know and she just believes that this is just her life now Right. 
But Cameron effed up. Cameron decided he was ready to marry her. And she was going to be his second wife. Oh, boy. Well, there's a big problem with that. The first wife didn't want a second wife. So they had had a deal that uh, she would let him torture Colleen and keep her as a slave, but not marry her. So how those two things are connected is. mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yep. So. Janice, through the years, had also been very uh, abused by and manipulated by Cameron. And after he was arrested, she revealed in, to prosecutors that uh, she also had been tortured and routinely uh, injured by him after they got together. So she actually believed that letting him kidnap a woman and keep her as a slave was the only way to keep herself safe. Mm-hmm. And the uh, prosecutors, they bought that. They uh, actually let her sign an immunity deal, and she did not get charged. Wow. But her beginnings are really sad, too. She met him in 1972. She was uh, She belonged to a really, really conservative religious family that didn't allow dating. But Cameron was really, really good at manipulating. And he schmoozed the hell out of this family and convinced them uh, that they should let him take her on a date. On their first date, he tied her to a tree. And probably because of her beginnings, she didn't uh, necessarily take that as the red flag it was. And they started dating in earnest. And they got married in 1975, and Janice was his slave. So by the time 1977 rolled around, she was more than happy to let him get his own slave so that she could get some freedom from his cruelty and from his bullshit. Wow. So after he said he wanted to marry Colleen and make her the the second wife, Janice was ready to get rid of her. She'd had Mm. enough. So, one day while he wasn't around, she sat Colleen down and let her know that the whole story about the company was a bunch of bullshit. And there was no such thing, and that there wasn't anybody around the corner waiting to kill her or her family if she left. And that was exactly what Colleen needed. So, Janice actually helped her, and she ran away. She actually drove her to the bus station. Wow. And Colleen called her dad. He sent her a ticket to Oregon so she could go back home. She even called Cameron to let him know she was leaving and got on the bus and left. Oh, my hell. Why would she tell him? Mm -hmm. Just so brainwashed into the whole thing, I guess. Still, yeah. So she gets back home to her family and... She doesn't tell them anything that has happened to her. Oh, boy. Uh, Partly because uh, Janice didn't want her to, you know, Mm -hmm. and made her promise, if I help you leave, you can go, but you can't tell anybody. 
about any of this. Mm. She said it was because she wouldn't want Cameron to get in trouble with the law because he didn't deserve that. He needed repentance and counseling and all would be well. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, after Janice was gone, or after Colleen was gone for a little bit, uh, you know, he starts getting dangerous with Janice again. And Janice finally decides that uh, he's is beyond repair and that he has to be stopped. So, she goes and confesses her sins to a pastor. Oh, wow. And this pastor encourages her to contact the authorities, and he really supports her in that. Mm-hmm. So she does. So in 1984, a few months after Colleen has left, she sits down with the police and tells them everything. And they finally arrest Cameron. Holy so hell. again, they signed an immunity agreement with Janice. So she wasn't actually charged with anything. Um, there's been a big debate over the years about was Janice uh, just a victim as well? Did she deserve some time? Uh, She ended up changing her name and moving away and actually living uh, what appears to be a more normal life. It's it's tough for me to think that she played along for seven years. I know. That, you know, that Mm -hmm. she wasn't somehow involved in that time period. Yes, she was. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Definitely complicit. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it goes even deeper than that, because when Janice testified against Cameron, during the trial, she revealed that there was another slave before Colleen that he ended up killing. Oh, my God. She said her name was Mary or Marie Elizabeth Spanhack. And she says they kidnapped her in a similar way and that Cameron took her to their home and tortured her and murdered her. But police couldn't find enough evidence to charge him. But in the crimes against Colleen, he was charged to over 100 years in prison. Wow. So that was in 1984 or 1985. It was in 1985. So he's been in prison. Did Colleen have to testify against him? I don't know. I think she did. I'm not positive about that, to be honest. I'm not sure. Hmm. Colleen changed her name moved, went to a lot of therapy, got a degree in accounting, got married, had children, had grandchildren, and has remained an advocate for other women who were kidnapped and tortured and things. Man, what an incredibly strong human being. Well, yeah, because in 2021, early in the year, there started to be some scuttlebutt about Cameron getting out on parole. Oh, are you effing kidding me? So the police uh, or the prosecutor, somebody in the courts, contacted her and let her know that there was a chance of that happening. And so she started writing some letters. So there was a change in state law. So he was sentenced to 104 years in prison in 1985, and he's been in prison ever since. Mm -hmm. But there's been some changes to state law, and he's accumulated enough good conduct Jesus Christ, to be eligible for parole this or last September. Yeah. But people in the community, the, the courts, uh, the police, 
obviously, uh, you know, our poor victim all went, yeah, that's not good. So what they did is they started a campaign to get him evaluated as a sexually violent predator. So that's a special designation. Right? What the hell? So that's a special designation that would delay his release and potentially stop his ability to be relieved, released. Because if, uh, you know, so at any rate, they, they did have him evaluated and they did deem him positive for classification as a sexually violent predator. I mean, no, who no. knew? Yeah. yeah. So all of that, of course, went in front of the courts. And so he won't be getting out right now because he has been determined to be an SVP. So there have been some hearings uh, in 2021, and there's litigation that's moving on into this year regarding that to determine if he ever should be let out of prison because of his designation. Short answer, no. He should like, not. How is this even a question? Right. Yeah. How is this even a question? Yeah. God. So we don't know for sure what exactly is happening in the courts as far as that's concerned. There's been very little written since October about this guy. Uh, he's in his late 60s. But um, at any rate, uh, you know, the authorities are on top of it. They are absolutely determined to keep this uh you know, keep him off the streets. Apparently the SVP designation is really pretty extraordinary and very rarely gets assigned to people. Uh, it's for the worst of the worst, which, uh, you know. He very he, clearly is. Yep. Yep. So the judge had called him the most dangerous psychopath he'd ever encountered. That was where that quote came from. Mm-hmm. So he's been in the California Institute for Men in Chino since 1985. Wow. So we're going to keep an eye on this case because obviously there could be more coming with it this year. There is actually a possibility that this fool could end up out. I think it's extremely unlikely. I do too, but. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, and all the props. My God, this should never. Yeah. Yeah. But all the props to Colleen Stan because what a badass. Yes. To survive this at Absolutely. all. To come back now here in 2021 full force and fight against him getting out, helping other people. I mean, she's amazing. But yeah. that's one of the most horrifying stories I've ever heard. Yeah, that is. That is. And just the idea that he could be released. Yeah. No. That guy should never, ever see the light of day again. No, ever. he should never even have the possibility of for parole after what he's done. It's really too bad that they weren't able to come up with the evidence at the time to charge him for that murder. Right. Too bad. Because that would have helped to keep him in prison. I'm guessing that they went, well, he was sentenced to 105 years in prison. I mean, we got him. But with possibility of parole, I mean. Yep. Oi. Yeah. Really, really terrible. But. Yeah. That woman is my hero. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I am going to turn the mic back over to you for some creepy crime. If you haven't had enough creepy crime for today. Right. We have quite a, quite a lot of that. Today. 
So have you ever heard of Norman Volker Franz? I don't think so. He is Interpol's number one most wanted. Oh. And he is known as a serial killer who's murdered five people. And he's been on the run for 22 years. Wow. Because of all things, he escaped from prison in Germany. Of course he did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So here's why his name is coming up. Uh, Because someone says they have seen him in the Caribbean on the oh. island of Caraco. Wow. Or is that Curacao? Oh, I don't know. I've anyway, heard of both ways. I have two, and I'm not sure if that's two different places. <laughs> I'm sure someone will leave a comment. I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, sure they will. So he was a part of a criminal gang in Germany. They robbed banks and smuggled weapons and cigarettes. Um, oh, God. One of the things that he did is that he met up with uh, their cigarette supplier that he was unhappy with, and he threw a grenade in their car. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah, very bad. Yeah. So, he gets away after this. Mm-hmm. He fr- runs to France okay. with his girlfriend. Because, of course, there's a girlfriend. Right? Always. There's always some stupid woman. There's always a girlfriend. Yeah. So he um, he was jailed for life Mm -hmm. for his crimes, of course. But on March 11th of 1997, he managed to saw through the bars of his cell and he climbed on to um, a roof with a ladder that he made out of bucket handles and broomsticks, and he slid down a drain pipe and got away. Wow. Yeah. So at that time, his uh, <laughs> an old girlfriend of his, who he'd actually ended up marrying while he was, was in prison, because... <laughs> That's some women love men room. in prison. They she was them. waiting for him and they fled. And after that, he shot and killed a security guard. So his he's he's killed five people total. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was outside a bank. And he got away with a cash box that had about 4,000 pounds in it. And then there were some security guards. They were loading uh a cash box into an armored car that had a, he got away with about 200,000 pounds that time. And then he and the, the prison wife, I guess, fled to Portugal, but they were caught again in 1998. Um, he was jailed in Lisbon. And he was trying to fight extradition, which, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> All the shit this guy has done. So, um, he's yeah. not going to be able to fight extradition. He was going to be extradited. So he again sawed through his prison window bars and made a rope by tying sheets together. It's like a TV show. And he <laughs> escaped again. And he has been on the run ever since. So he's actually escaped from prison twice. Oh, for God's sake. 
But now someone thinks they've seen them, him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So his wife, you know, his prison wife, um, she divorced him because she got six years for Ooh. her involvement with him and ended up in Weird. prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he is now number one on Germany and Interpol's most wanted list because mm -hmm. he's been on the run ever since. And um, a German tourist saw a man on the island who matched Norman Franz's description. Franz knows that he shouldn't be allowed Germans because they might know who he is because his name, his face has been plastered all over their news. Yeah. Apparently he's, you know, super good at uh, charming women and getting what he wants. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but is, you know, believed to be very, very dangerous. And there uh, is yeah. a... 20,000 pound reward for information leading to his arrest. Wow. Uh, I thought that was rather interesting. Maybe after being on the run for 22 years, they'll get him. And I don't know, maybe they should put him in a plexiglass cell that he can't. He's pretty good at sawing through those darn bars. <laughs> See, here's my vote. My vote is they take that poor guy out of the plexiglass cell that they have him in, in England. Oh, in England. And they put this jackass in there. It, right, it's time. Yeah, I th yeah. I think it is. He may need to be in there with one of those masks on and one of those straight jacket outfits. You know, this maybe dude may have earned all of that, but it's mm -hmm. possible that they have a lead on where he is. So, wouldn't that be something? Wow. It? I mean, I think that his uh, ex wife, whatever, would be mm -hmm. pretty happy to see his ass in jail. This mm -hmm. <laughs> is so weird. Well, probably, because I'm sure he has a new wife now. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got some sugar mama paying all the bills. You bet he does. Seems to be the, the way that things go. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, this is our Tuesday episode. We'll be back later this afternoon at 4 p.m. Mountain Time for Spirit School. And then, of course, we'll be back Wednesday with a whole new episode, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain for case updates. And boy, there's some big stuff brewing in a few mm -hmm. of our cases. And then back to uh, on Thursday night at 7 p.m. for the Psychic Hour. So there's still so much more to go this week. So be here. Yeah. Join us. And as always, on. like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. It helps us a lot. And leave a comment. A nice one, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's always appreciated. I mean, if you don't mind. You know, we already know we're fat. We already know you don't like some of the things we say. You don't have to tell us any of that. We got it. <laughs> we do. Yeah. 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 All good. It, it's whatever. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day, night, evening, whatever, wherever you are. And <laughs> thanks for being here. You have been listening to yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, everybody.